And now we are getting ready for the preaching. And um, so much that I could say about Brother Burgess. Um, I talked about last night with Brother Myers the friendship we've had for a long time. Brother, My Brother Burgess and I also have had a deep, deep friendship. You know, the, the beautiful thing, really, in fact, my wife commented to me tonight before church about these men that are speaking at this conference. But the beautiful thing about this is that not only are these men my friends, but their wives are friends with my wife and some of the best friends we've got. Now, according to Bishop Howard, Brother Burgess is the only friend I've got. And some of you here locally have heard this story, but but Bishop Howard called me one day and and he was asking me to to uh, to uh, do something with the I think the PKs at Admit and he said, "Would you call your friend and see if he would help you?" And I said, "Which friend?" He said, "Don't do that to me. You know you've only got one friend." <laughs> he said, "You're like that poor man." So they're wanting money. And he says, which account you want me to write that out of? He said, he don't have but one account. He's just trying to impress everybody. Uh, Brother Burgess has been a real friend. And, and that's the truth. He has, um, he has been there in dark, dark hours. And... He's also been there. Brother Myers talked about we'd, we'd cried together and laughed together. And um, that's true of, of all of these men. Of course, when it comes to laughing, if you're going to be my friend, you're going to have to know how to laugh. I'm going to tell you that. We're just not going to get along much if, you're not, if you don't know how to laugh. Um, but Brother Burgess... There's a story here that I don't even have time to tell, but it was, it was a situation where I really felt like God forged a friendship because he was working under, under Brother Tom Johnson, and I, I don't generally make it a habit to, you know, to get close to men in somebody else's church, but Bishop Johnson... It's just, it's a long story. But anyhow, the way it worked out, it just, Brother Burgess and I found ourselves uh, teamed up several times and God put that friendship together. And I am so, so glad, so glad that God did that. Because I'm telling you, I don't know. There are times, honestly, that I have leaned so heavily on Brother Burgess and my wife has leaned on Sister Burgess. And we love these folks. We love these folks. I want you to stand tonight. I want him to come, take his liberty. Now, I realized after I said it, I made the statement that Bishop Howard was the only man I was not going to put a time limit on. And I was talking about for the introductory part of the service. 
Brother Burgess, I'm not putting any time limits on you either. In fact, I think it was Elder Dudley who made the statement one time at a meeting. He said he had always been told that the preaching ought to last at least as long as the preliminaries. But that was Elder Dudley and he's not here tonight. <laughs> Hallelujah. No, I want you to follow the Holy Ghost. I want you to obey God. And uh, I mean that. We, we got a word from God last night. We got a word from God last night. And I believe we're going to get a word from God again tonight. And uh, Brother Burgess is not just my friend. He is a man of God. A man really with wisdom well beyond his years, although his years are adding up. He tried to convince somebody last night he was not really, not really old. I said, you know, I was at your 50th birthday party, and that's been a few years back. So you're, uh, don't, don't try to convince me that you're still young. Uh, we love the Burgess family very, very much. And I want him to come tonight, and I want him just to take his liberty. Brother Burgess, come. We love you. We're glad you're here. Thank you so much for being here. Praise. Praise the Lord, everybody. You can be seated. Certainly is an honor to be here to help the Reagan family celebrate 25 years here in Olathe, Kansas. And uh, so... Um, I appreciate so much their friendship. And uh, by the way, you didn't have to put a time limit on me, Brother Reagan. I, I've been receiving that from a number of quarters um, already. In fact, I was even offered somebody would buy my dessert if I would preach 15 minutes. So since I was already planning to preach an hour, I'll add that 15 minutes to the hour that I'm getting paid to preach that dessert. And uh, no, I was not planning to preach an hour. I'll, I'll try to preach at least that 15 minutes, though, so I can get that free dessert. And uh, anything beyond that, um, I'm, I'll be... Uh, thinking about that dessert anyway so we've had a good time and of course they were they were having a great time when they teased me with that um, but you know we we come and uh, brother Hilton I'm not going to try to be funny either because it doesn't work for me and uh, and so uh, that's what I really appreciate about my friend brother Riggin I mean he He's, he is so brilliant. He could have been a lawyer. If you've ever seen him answer some of the letters that he might have received, I'm sitting there thinking, man, I wish I could have answered like that. I could have. But he also could have been a great comedian, probably. And, uh, and I have been blessed by his... his uh, the power of his mind when it comes to the word of God. I've been blessed 
to call up and we've had some of the longest phone conversations and I have laughed and laughed and laughed and never even had to tell him what I was going through because I felt so much better by the time we had talked a little while I just didn't even have to tell him and so uh, it is really really a great honor all of us are having to be able to celebrate 25 years with this family and it has been a 30-year friendship and uh, I feel the same way that God just brought us together I feel like I've been more of the recipient in this friendship because it has greatly enriched our lives Uh, my wife and I when we got married on our honeymoon we went to church with brother and sister Regan and I went to eat with them and I wanted my wife to know them because that was the importance of that friendship and so um I'm very thankful to see the way that you have honored them. And, of course, we have preached and been here many, many times through the years. I probably could even say a few things about some of the other places that Brother Regan has pastored since I've known him. And uh, I was there. I've preached for you in every church you've pastored since I've known you. And uh, I can concur that this is a better place. (laughs) This is a better place. And so uh, God puts you together. And uh, last night, you know, these are anniversary services, but Brother Myers, last night, you certainly preached the mind of God to us. And I laid on that floor and wept, and I felt the revival of some dreams from many years ago. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to pursue them. Amen. I plan to pursue them. And Brother Riley, I, I, uh, I know that uh, you're going to be a blessing this weekend as well. And uh, I don't know if I have said this, but you... You uh, came through Colorado Springs, and I didn't even know you were coming and found out you were there and had you preach, and I don't know if you remember what you preached, but it was surviving a curve in the road, and just a few days after that, at about 6 o'clock in the morning, my phone rang, and my nephew had been killed, and if you ever can imagine a curve in the road... That was a curve in the road. But God not only knew it was coming, and in his way, he had prepared all of us. And, of course, my brother and his wife, their family, there were many things that God had done for them in preparation. But God was looking out for all of us, and that's just the way God works. Amen. That is just the way God works. And so uh, uh, I give honor to you as a church for giving honor to your pastor and uh, Bishop Howard it's a pleasure to be with you in service and uh, hear the things that you had to say about our friend Brother Regan why don't you stand and I want to say I'll probably speak of a few things about Brother Reagan, 
I want to say that though I may not mention her name at the same level, Sister Reagan, you are one with your husband. And not not just long before there was an Africa, you stood by him when it was not easy. And uh, I love all of the Reagan family, uh, the Reagan girls. And, uh, we've known for 30 years, and uh, you're very special to, to us. And if there's anything we could ever do for any one of you, you would have only to ask uh, because that's the way we feel about this family. We're going to the word of the Lord, and I'm going to read two verses of Scripture in the same book, but not in the same chapter. The book is 2 Kings. And we're going to chapter 2. Your clock has stopped on this pulpit. was trying to pay attention to the time now if this was Bishop Johnson he would say sister in 40 minutes you come back to that organ and start playing or 35 or whatever he may pick out of the air so I'll do the same thing and in 40 minutes come back and start playing sound man make sure they can hear me over the organ if I'm not finished <laughs> Okay, 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 12. And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. 2 Kings 13. And verse 14. Now Elisha was fallen sick of his sickness whereof he died. And Joash the king of Israel came down unto him and wept over his face and said, O oh, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. Let's pray and ask God to help us in this service tonight to find the mind of God. God, in your precious name, Lord, I'm asking you to reach down your mighty hand, God, and touch us, Lord, and help us, oh, Savior, we need you tonight, Lord. God, I'm asking for your help. Jesus, I praise you, God. I praise you, God. I praise you, God. Oh, hallelujah, 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 Jesus. God, move in this place. God, move in this place, Lord. And help us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Why don't we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? 
Amen. You may be seated. Two occasions, two accolades, and two responses. And that's what I want to preach about tonight is those responses. And uh, if you want a title for this, I want, to, I want to really get to the place where I talk about the power in the amen corner. The power in the amen corner. Two identical honors were given to two very worthy men. And I want to talk about that for just a few moments. This is poetic in the way that it's phrased. And it was very emotional. In fact, the Bible says in the first one that Elisha cried. And uh, uh, he didn't just shout it. He didn't just yell it. He didn't say it. The Bible says he cried this. That means that there was emotion. Uh, there, there, was, there was a crying forth of this phrase. And uh, the, the second occasion was King Joash. And the Bible says that he wept and he gave these accolades. The chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. These accolades went to a prophet in both occasions. Different prophets, but it went to a prophet. And uh, in looking to see exactly what that meant, uh, there, were, there was a version of the Old Testament that was given to those who did not speak Hebrew. Now, as the Hebrew Scriptures were recorded, and those scribes very carefully brought them down in the Hebrew language, during the time of the Babylonian captivity, and moving on into the 400 years in between those testaments, there were many Jews who were not well-versed in Hebrew. And therefore, a version of the Hebrew Scriptures called the Targum came into being. And this was primarily, the, the, uh, it, it, was, uh, it was an oral version. It would be a translator standing there with the Hebrew Scriptures, and he would be telling those who did not speak Hebrew, that same scripture. He'd be reading it to them, but translating it in his mind as he went. And as more and more people began to speak Aramaic, they wrote it down. And this, this is what the scribes would say when they were reading that scripture. And they got to the place where it said, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. In the Aramaic it said, uh, you were better to Israel by your intercession than chariots and horsemen. That was what the honor was given. Uh, that's, that's what it meant. When Elisha cried out to Elijah as he, he was about to see him go away, and, and in that moment he cried out, 
Elijah, you were greater to the people of God through your praying than all the horse, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel have ever been for our people. Even King Joash, an ungodly king who did not really live for God at any point, when he came to see the dying prophet Elisha, he stood there and the Targum records it in the same way. Elisha, he was really saying, I may be the king and I know all the things that go into preserving a people, but I want you to know I've got to give you the same honor. You were better to Israel through your intercession than all of my chariots and horsemen have been. Oh, hallelujah. I think it's time that somebody acknowledge the power of a preacher to a people of God. Oh, hallelujah. I think it's entirely appropriate to, to have a celebration of 25 years. Somebody as well deserving that pastors the apostolic way. Oh, somebody give praise unto God. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. I, I didn't just pull out uh, a pastoral appreciation message tonight. In fact, I've not preached this particular message before. Uh, God just got to stirring me, and I do feel like that where we're going to wind up, there is something God wants to even speak to this local church. But I want you to know we're not here just going through motions. You're not here just because you think it's something nice to do. But I, I'll tell you, God is pleased when somebody can take the time and say, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. Brother Regan, if people could only get a revelation, I'm telling you when a man of God opens the book and he begins to prophesy, that's the anointed utterance that goes forth from the word of God, from the preacher's mouth. I want to tell you it's better to you than your boss will ever be at work. It means more to you than the paycheck that goes into your bank account. It means more to you than the policeman driving up and down your street to protect your property and your home. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Amen, amen. I'll tell you, I, I, get, I get chill bumps when I stand and put my hand over my heart and I hear the national uh, anthem sung. When I say the Pledge of Allegiance, uh, I've been to a number of venues in my life and I'll tell you this, uh, when they say, could we please have our veterans stand? Uh, I'm gonna tell you, I look around. You need to look around. You need to look at those old men getting up out of those seats. Can't hardly stand. We're losing them. There are very few of them anymore when they have those veteran stands. You, you see that white hair. You see those wrinkles. You see those men from the greatest generation. You got to understand the sacrifice. Hey, hey, I don't care. I don't care what's going on in Washington right now. I'm still a patriotic American and I'm thankful for a country that gives me the freedom to worship God, to live for God. Hey, 
As long as they follow the Constitution, we still have a country where you can worship God the way you see fit. Amen, amen, amen. You can sit down. I know they've tried. They're trying right now. But my wife just read to me the latest uh, on, on the COVID restrictions in our state. They're, they're lifting more and more. And I mean, we, ungodliness abounds. Our governor's got a dude for a wife. He's known as the first, hus- first gentleman. First gentleman. They got kids. They didn't have them. That's biologically impossible. I mean, any fool ought to know that, but they found a way. Yeah, I know that's not politically correct, but if you think I think bad about it, you ought to think, hear what God thinks about it. He said, I hate it with an intense hatred. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if I'm going to quit in 40 minutes, well, 35 now, I better not get sidetracked. But I tell you, I could in a hurry. You know, it's, it's dangerous for the church to let the world just kind of squeeze us into a little mold of tolerance to where we just kind of cringe and worry when, when pastor gets on something kind of controversial, gets to talking about something that they may try to cancel him over. I'm going to tell you, you better learn how to back the preacher as he preaches against sin. Because they're going to try to shut it down. But I'm telling you this, the preacher, if he's an apostolic preacher, he's going to keep on preaching it. He's going to preach against sin, and he's going to name it. I don't care who gets offended. I don't have to call them crass names. That's not appropriate. We ought to be grieving over the sin that's blinded them. We want to see them saved. Amen. Sit down. I'm about to lose my text and wander so far off that I won't come back. Then I'd meet Bishop Westberg's definition of an old preacher. And so she read those things to me that they're lift, you know, lifting this restriction, lifting that restriction. By the way, he may have a dude for a wife, but he's had more sense than some governors have. So, uh, And he had sense enough now to put this in there. At the end of all the restrictions that are still on, and they're saying, you know, groups of so many now, if you get together, you got less restrictions, this and that. Down at the bottom it says, none of this applies to houses of worship. Because you know what happened? They tried to apply it to houses of worship just like they did in other states. But a federal judge ruled that they cannot tell a church how many can gather or what we do when we get inside. They can't tell you to put a covering over your face while you sing. They can't tell you, you got to do this, you got to do that. Now, we did a lot of that because some of it made sense. Even when it was, I mean, we, we did all of it. We, we, we still got the things out where we skip every other pew. We wore masks. We were very careful. And with all our masks on, there was one week that we wound up with over 100 people with COVID. 
we weren't being foolish. It just happened. So you go tell all the scientists that and ask them what next. I don't know. I don't have a mask on right now. You, if I come down there, don't get nervous. I'm fully vaccinated the whole nine yards. So you, ain't, you just don't have to worry. I'll follow the science. If you get sick, sue Dr. Fauci. He told me to get vaccinated, and I did because I wanted, I wanted people to be at ease. Because I, I tried to stay on the platform at home, and I'd get down here, and I'd, whoop, got to get back up here. I don't want to be the cause of somebody getting sick. So I don't have it, been vaccinated, so you can relax. I'm probably fixing to get down there just a little bit. But uh, uh, we are still in a country. It may take them a few days. It may take them a little while. But thank God they put the footnote in there that there's one place that they still got to back their agenda off from, and that's the church. I am still thankful that we have freedom to worship God in the United States of America. And I'll tell you, I still feel it when I look around and I see those veterans stand. And I'll tell you this, some of the young ones that stand have been through tough times too. I appreciate, though, the way they tipped their hat to the elders. There's a man that we prayed through a few years ago. He'd been, I don't know how many tours he did in special forces over in the wars in the Middle East and all that. And I'm going to tell you, you don't even want to know the stories of stuff he's been through. But he said, one thing that's different in my generation, he said, I'd go out on a, we'd be in the middle of a firefight. We'd be fighting for our lives. He said, but by evening, I'd be back in air conditioning eating pizza off the buffet. He said, but not so our elders. He said they didn't have the luxury of getting running right on back to base camp where they had the buffets and all that stuff spread out. We got to take a hot shower. He said they lived in trenches. They lived in, and, and somebody was, was telling us just the other day something they had learned about their relative that he, he had not told them. Uh, no, I, it was my grandfather that I never got to meet. And uh, daddy was telling me about something I had never heard, but he told about in those trenches. He went, Eight days in one stretch in World War One that he didn't even take his shoes off, his boots, living in the mud and the. Oh, that's why the, that's why their feet rotted off because it was soaking wet in those trenches and on and on we go. You know what? I'm very thankful, but let me tell you, you could stack every veteran you could pack in this building. You could bring every disabled veteran. My wife spent some time up at the. Uh, 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 the VA uh, medical clinic just the other day, and she said, you know what, everybody ought to go spend a day once a month. It'd give you a different appreciation. Bring every one of them in here, limping in here, bring them in on stretchers, and I'm going to tell you this, uh, that as deep as you could stack them, uh, you don't owe them one fraction of what you owe a man of God that preached you out of sin. Oh, hallelujah. Preached you up out of this world. Uh, gave you something from the word of God to live for, to hold on to, to be better, to be different, to be changed. No, oh, hallelujah. 
Oh, I got a lot to be happy about. I got a lot to be thankful for. But there's one main thing Jesus said. If you go rejoice, you ought to be rejoicing because your name is written down in heaven. Oh, hallelujah. Who do I have to thank for that? A man of God that preached the word to me. A man of God that preached this glorious gospel. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Two great prophets in this Bible. Two great men to give honor to, and what an occasion. What a poetic way to shout it out. Oh, in just a few short words, they were saying, this is what you mean to us. And th- I, man, I appreciate the way you gave gifts to your pastor. You can be seated. He's an apostolic. I am too. Matter of fact, the only side effect I've figured out from this virus is, man, I've just been feeling this urge to go trade my Apple in on, a, on, a, on an IBM with Microsoft made by Bill Gates. Isn't Bill Gates the one that has a conspiracy with all these vaccines? He's going to change the world and all that stuff. See, my wife told me not to do any jokes, and I did it anyway, so it fell just like we knew it would. And so... Brother Hilton, it's bad when we just ain't very good at jokes, ain't it? Yeah. And by the way, Sister Reagan, if you don't like that keyboard, I've been dropping hints already. I don't know if my church is listening. I got a birthday and Father's Day coming up. But I can just tell I saw the little silhouette on the side. That is a nice keyboard for an iPad. It beats this one all to pieces. Hint, hint. Mail somebody the tape. (laughs) Okay. I appreciate you giving gifts to your pastor. I appreciate you saying those things. And and, and that's right to do that. You're not doing that because it's an obligation. You're not doing that. I'll tell you, when you get a chance to honor, when you get a chance to do, all you got to do is think about those times on your way to the hospital. You call, Pastor, we're going to the hospital, don't know what we're going to find, this going on, that going on with our child or with yourself or whatever. Oh, just, just would you pray? Would you pray? Would you pray? Oh, by the time you get there, there's another car already sitting in the parking lot pastor beat you there he's ready to pray he's ready to stand with you oh hallelujah but you know what bodily sickness uh, standing with us and praying for our healing is wonderful but I want to tell you that it's those battles over the pulpit uh, uh, fighting things off of our family off of our children the world trying to come in and take our children out and abuse and use them and the preacher is still preaching against sin, preaching righteousness. Thank you, Jesus, for the ministry. It's where we get our vision. It's from the ministry. Oh, hallelujah. Brother Myers, you were talking about those dreams. 
But I'll tell you, my dreams hadn't, didn't come in the night. They come sitting on a pew as a man of God preached it into my soul. And I began to, I began to feel hope rising up in, you mean God could use me like that? You mean I could do so? That's where those dreams are born. Oh, hallelujah. That's, that's what God reignited in me. God, there were some things that were preached into me as a boy that I dreamed and hoped for that I've not yet seen. I want to see it. I want to see it. I want to have a rebirth of it. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. My. Oh, hallelujah. God's always going to have a man. He's got a preacher. Because you know what? God is the one that calls preachers. He's going to have a preacher. God calls preachers. He's going to send his preachers to the field that he's prepared for them. There's a calling. That's why you can't run a preacher off. Because God called him there. That's why you, you can't. He, I, I hear people get, getting burnt out and getting, getting just tired of doing the work of God. Not a called preacher and a sent preacher. When they are in the will of God, there's something that'll just keep coming back and re-encouraging them. As long as they're right with God, as long as they're where God wants them to be, God's gonna encourage them in the Holy Ghost. I wanna thank you for honoring your pastor, but I want you to, tell, I want you to know this. Uh, if this Sunday comes uh, and there's not a one of you on these pews, this man ain't going anywhere. Uh, because you didn't call him and you didn't send him here. God sent him here. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm not trying to forecast anything or make you feel insignificant. I, I just want you to know it, it doesn't matter where it is. If God sends a man there, God sends him there. God said, this, this is my thing. I'm going to give gifts to my church. I'm going to give the ministry to the church just like I give the Holy Ghost to the church. Oh, yeah. I know, like the Baptists, they... they they bring a man there in view of, the, of a call. The call comes from the church. That's what they, they title it. They call it. They issue out a call for a man to come and try out. So the call, when the call comes from the church, the church can reverse the call. When it comes from God, none of us can reverse the call. It's God's business. God said, what I open, I open. What I shut, I shut. Uh, Noah, you, you can try to keep that door open, but you can't keep it open. When God shuts it, it's shut. But when God opens it, ain't nobody going to shut it either. Hallelujah. Because I will just tell you, when God sends a man, you can't starve him out. You can't drive him out. He's God's man. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Aren't you thankful that God sent you a man this way? You didn't go fishing somewhere. Oh, we got to figure out if he's qualified. We got to figure out if he's got the right degrees and credentials. No, God orchestrated a move. And when God sends a man, he equips a man. He takes care of a man. 
Oh, yes. Hallelujah. And Brother Regan, I've been there. I didn't even know. Early days of our friendship. God had sent him to a place. And one day, I was working for Brother Johnson. He said, hey, come on, ride with me. And we loaded the trunk of Brother Johnson's car up with groceries, and we headed off down to Canyon City. We didn't have any idea the devil was trying to starve Brother Riggin out of a calling. But he and his family were sitting in a home with no food in that house. That's why I give honor to the Riggin family. Because you know what? They didn't have the calling, but they followed this man through some things. That's why, thank you for honoring these girls, because these girls sat around a table with no food on it. I tell you, God keeps good records. Oh, they're going to get rewarded, but thank you for acknowledging that. We pulled up in that, in that driveway, and I don't know what Brother Johnson knew, because I know you wouldn't have told him anything. He didn't know anything. He pulled up there, but I'll just tell you this. God's looking down saying, I sent that man there, and that church may be willing to let him starve, but I'm not willing to let him starve, and I'm the one obligated to take care of him. We pulled up there and opened the trunk, and there were all those groceries. I didn't, I, I didn't even know what was going on. I was just, just, just a young guy, just long for the ride, but I am so thankful I got to stand near to the great almighty God that said, I will take care of my gift to the church it doesn't even have to matter what the church knows they may not even know what's going on but I know and if I send him there I'm going to take care of him oh hallelujah amen you can be seated brother Martin Ballestera tells us about when he went out as a young evangelist his dad was brother Carl Ballestero great man of God and brother Ballastera got off out there and I can't remember what it was maybe his motor or transmission went out something terrible happened and he didn't have any, any, anywhere to go any way to get there and didn't have any money and he called his daddy and was telling him daddy pastor in a good church and his daddy said well son did God call you to preach he said yes sir he said, well, he'll take care of you then. And he hung the phone up. And that was it. And God took care of him. Because there's one thing those old timers knew that we better learn. When God sends a man, he will take care of him. Oh, I tell you, God knows what he's doing. It's kind of like Mordecai told Esther, said, now, Esther, God's going to take care of business. You can be a part of it or not. We just really don't even know. But we do know God's going to do his part. Oh, hallelujah. I, I love being a part of God's help to the man of God. Don't you? But let me tell you, God doesn't have to have me to make sure there's a preacher here in Olathe, Kansas. If he sends a man, he's well able to take care of him. Sometimes that means sending a man Who's willing to do whatever it takes? That's to sit there with no food on the table. Or if you got to get in your car and drive around and take care of elderly men, shave them, and yeah. You think that demeaned this preacher? 
to have to take on a job like that, to go around and do personal care in the home. Some of you may not have ever known that. I'm not meaning to embarrass him, but I'll tell you this. When a man's got a calling, he's, stick, he's not here for the money. He's not here for the prestige. He's not, uh, there's, there's a reason why when Elisha looked at that man of God, uh, that man of God that had stood on Mount Carmel and had been willing to fight all the forces of hell for the salvation of a few, and he cried out in admiration, uh, Oh, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof, Brother Hilton, that's what you were feeling when you stood up here and you began to thank this man. Uh, oh, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. And Elisha. Oh, what a man. But Joash. And I'm going to hurry this, but I want to I want to turn this to you for a moment. Joash went in to see that man. He was the king over God's people while they were being severely oppressed by the Syrians under the heel of the Syrians. He was responsible for getting them out of that condition if they ever were to be gotten out. And he walked in and he acknowledged this man is more to our people than even the armies that I have with me. And that old man said, look here, son. I'm on my deathbed, but I got something I got to pass down to you. I want you to get a hold of something. That's what a preacher's burden is. I want you to get a hold of something. He said, he said, I want you to get your bow and your arrow. He said, this is the arrow of the Lord's deliverance. Better hear me. This is a this is an incredible moment, King. I want you to realize what's going on. You're not going to be in the dark about this. Pull this bow, and I want you to shoot this arrow. We're talking about God delivering His people. We're talking about revival. We're talking about the future, and the future hinges on those words coming out of a prophet's mouth. I want you to know that the future of revival in this city comes from the words that come out of the preacher's mouth. Ah, uh, yeah. And I know there's a lot of preachers that may come, but there's one man's vision that's more important than all, and that's the man that God sent to this city to have revival. Oh, God, I want to catch that vision. I want to get a hold of that vision. I want to know what that vision's all about. And so... Joash was not clueless. There's no way he could have been because the prophet said that this is the arrow of the Lord's deliverance. And let's get specific. He said the arrow of deliverance from Syria and thou shalt smite the Syrians in Aphek till thou have consumed them. If you really believe the amen you were giving me, if it means more than just words, I want you to listen to what I'm saying. This moment is about deliverance from Syria and how you're gonna smite God's enemies. And so the moment comes when the amen corner 
has got to reveal if it's just words. You just repeating what Elisha said to his man of God? Or is there some heart behind it? Is there something you got burning inside your gut that goes with that amen? Oh, hallelujah. I want to tell you, the future of revival, it's not about what will or won't happen here. God's going to take care of here. Here is already settled. What's going to be preached is already settled. Oh, hallelujah. The vision that God gave this man is unshakable. It's already there. But I'll tell you what future revival hinges on is it hinges on decisions made in the amen corner. You got the words right, but so did Joash. He had the words right. Chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. Okay. Okay, take those arrows. The ones where you're going to smite Syria. And I want you to smite that ground. Oh, yes, chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. I'm your amen corner. Tap, tap, tap. I'm your amen corner. Oh, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Man, I've been here too long already. I'm... I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you. Tap, tap, tap. I'm with you. I'm your amen corner. And oh, the old man got stirred up. The old man got, you you better be careful when the old preachers are getting stirred up. Oh, hallelujah, something's not clicking. Oh, the old preacher got upset. Oh, 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 Joash, Joash. If you would have smitten five or six times, you could have really brought deliverance to God's people. But you didn't really mean the amen that you were giving me. I know you said I was the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof, but you didn't mean it. You don't even know what it costs to have revival. You hadn't been studying what it takes to back the preacher. You don't know what sacrifice it calls for. Tap, tap, tap my foot. You won't ever see revival. And he died. And I'm going to tell you, there was more power in, a, in that dead man's bones uh, than there were in that great king sitting on a throne uh, with his nice little flowery words of, oh, I got you, preacher. I got the vision with you. I'm your amen corner. Uh, they threw a dead man in on Elisha's bones and God resurrected him. Uh, oh, hallelujah. Uh, you stood right there, Joash, right next to a man that still had life in his bones and words coming out of his mouth, but you didn't get it. You You didn't get a hold of the vision. You didn't have what it takes. You didn't have the right response. The words were right, but where was your heart? But you back up 63 years and you see the same words rolling out of Elisha's mouth. The chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And I'll tell you what he did. My friend... And it wasn't in the tapping because he didn't smite but one time. But he grabbed up that mantle and he walked back and he smoked that river and he said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? Oh, I got a burden on me and I got to have God's help. But I'm telling you everything Elijah didn't get done, I'm going to get done. I'm going to stand in his room. I'm going to do what God called him to do. I'll do it, Elijah. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Oh, let me tell you more than getting all praying, God, anoint my pastor to preach Sunday. Hey, you you hear me? God's gonna anoint your pastor to preach. God sent this man of God, and he's gonna make sure that a man walks to this pulpit and preaches, but what you need to go do is say, God, give me a passion and a heart for what's preached. When I say amen, let there be conviction in it. Oh, God, I'm willing to sacrifice for the vision. Oh, Jesus. Oh. God said, I'm going to do my part. I'll send you an anointed gift. I'll send you a man of God. We've all scratched our heads and looked around and we see in some fields this is happening and others not nearly so much and somebody say, well, is the difference in the message? Is the difference in the anointing? Most of the time, let me just put your mind at ease that it's probably not because God's the one in charge of that. God's the one that sends a man to preach and to teach the gospel and he's the one that anoints. Oh, hallelujah. But I will tell you this, that God is not gonna force anybody to follow the man of God. He's not gonna force anybody to get the vision. Oh, oh, I want you to know some of the most anointed men, some of the greatest preachers of the gospel I've ever known. Oh, every week they get up and preach to just a few people in a town where there's not even that very many souls. Why do they do it? Because God sent them. If you'll give me a couple extra minutes, I just want to tell you, God doesn't measure success the way we measure it. God uses up men however he wants to. God takes men of brilliance and talent and abilities and consecration and sacrifice and anointing and puts them sometimes in places where they wind up being nothing more than a witness against the heretics. Just something God can say, consider my servant. Oh yeah, has no success as far as this world is concerned, but he's faithful to the word. He's faithful to preach the gospel. Oh, hallelujah. We live in a generation where if you want to define success by numbers and money, the proselyters are more successful than the sacrificers. Oh, yeah. That's not the way God measures success. God has a man, and he puts him where he wants him, and he calls him to preach the gospel. Oh, hallelujah, brother. Regan, God put a love for this truth in you as a young man. Oh, I'm telling you, over and over you have heard it. You've heard men come through here and say what God can do through your pastor's lips with the word of God. But I'll tell you, that's him and God. That God and him worked that out. I didn't have anything to do with it. I didn't put a love 
love for the truth in him. He got a love for truth. I just get to be blessed when I hear him preach. Oh, hallelujah. But I can tell you what I can affect. I can't affect what it does to me. And when I hear you preach, it puts a love for truth in me. It makes me want to love this oneness. It makes me want to love Jesus' name, baptism, more than I ever have. Because that's the key. What it do in me. I've stood in a man. I have sat in a, on a platform as well. And I have watched a wave of revelation come over men. They were making notes. notes. They put those pens down. They started perking up. A minute or two later, almost as one, the whole crowd was getting on their feet. And starting to amen oneness preaching as a wave of revelation came over. But Brother Reagan, you preached that same message and there are people that have gone to sleep on it. There are people that have sat there ho-hum and looked at their watch. Oh, was it not anointed that night? Yes, it was anointed. I'm telling you, God's looking out and saying, I got a preacher. I got a preacher I can send to a pulpit. What are you going to do about it? What are are you going to do? Is it going to ignite something inside of you when this man preaches revival, when he preaches the oneness, when he preaches there's only one way of salvation? I'll tell you, revival in this city doesn't hinge on this man. Yes, it does. You know, I have to qualify everything. It hinges on you. Because what I'm saying, this man's going to preach the same message. If there's two people here to hear it, or 200 people here to hear it, or 2,000 people here, and it's going to have the same anointing because him and God have already settled that. They've already settled it, and God's already sent it. But I'll tell you the key to revival is what's somebody going to do when they hear it. When somebody walks in that back door and hears it for the first time, what are you going to do, my friend? Because your decision's going to mean whether you're in here or not, whether your family comes or not, whether all the people on your street hear about it or not. That's the power in the amen corner. If you do more than lip service, I'll tell you what God's looking for is somebody that won't just jump to your feet and say, preach it, preacher, but somebody that'll walk out and live it and have a passion burning inside let's stand oh hallelujah Jesus Jesus oh hallelujah Jesus brother Regan I'll never forget A time, a long time ago, where you had already proved you were willing to sacrifice, do whatever it took to build a church there. But when you presented the next phase of a vision and said, we just, you just felt led to do it for some reason, we're just going to vote on it. And they, they balked. And God lifted the burden right then. It's time to move. 
if they won't receive the vision that you're willing to sacrifice for, I'll send you somewhere where somebody will. That's why he's here. That's why he's here. Because there are people here that will. And let me tell you the power of it. Jeremiah was prophet to Israel in a dark, dark time. A time when the armies were surrounding Jerusalem and coming into those areas. Tramp of those soldiers' feet. Very soon to burn down the temple. Leaving this land desolate. And in the midst of it, God told Jeremiah... Oh, by the way, as dark as it looks, get your money and go buy a field right here. Invest in the future. I know it looks dark. I know an enemy force is about to totally take this land over, but buy you a field. Because I ain't finished with this place. And I know I'm pulling it together from... Jeremiah's book but it all fits because he said Jeremiah you don't believe I can have revival no matter how bad it looks there's some folks you've never met they're called the Rechabites I want you to call them up here to the house of God and I want you to set some wine out and command them to drink it that's all he told So Jeremiah did it. When they came walking in, he said, drink that wine. They said, no, sir. 295 years ago, our father Jonadab commanded us that we would drink no wine, that we would not live in houses, And that we would not plant vineyards. And to this day, your servants do not live in houses. We have no vineyards. And we will not touch that wine. Why? Because one day a long time ago, our father Jonadab was standing beside the road when Jehu came riding by on his way to deal with God's enemies. And he said, Come up and ride with me and see my zeal for the Lord. We're about to do a mighty work for God. Is your heart with me? You got the same heartbeat I got. And so you know what our daddy told us? Our daddy kind of let us know that there'd probably be more times when idolatry and sin gripped the land and dark times would come. But God's going to have a man. And when the man of God comes riding by, you don't need to have a crop you need to get in. You don't need to have a house you need to worry about maintenance. And you sure don't want it to catch you drunk. You need to be standing by the side of the road ready to back the man of God, ready to ride in his chariot ready to have Holy Ghost revival let me tell you church God's going to send a man in the day and hour we live in he's going to give this man a word but the revival is in the Rechabites the revival is in the amen corner is there anybody got 
faith in the word. Woo! Oh, the power, the power is in the amen corner. Power is in the amen corner. Oh, pardon me for being long, but I just feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I feel uh, there's something prophetic uh, going on in your mind and heart. I'm not about to prophesy. I believe I've just been preaching the mind of God, but I want to tell you uh, that it was the amen corner. You hear me? Uh, it was It was this church uh, right in the middle of a service. We were preaching about... We were preaching about why don't you believe and pray as big as God is. And right in the middle of service, some men ran out of this building and ran and yanked the for sale sign off of the property that it was owned. That's the power of the amen corner. And God backed it too. It's all those back taxes they were trying to make you pay and all that kind of stuff they just fixed every bit of it God said I got all this just sitting here waiting but I need I need some I need somebody to do more and just say amen preacher amen preacher I need somebody to take off running in faith and rip a for sale sign out of a piece of property because you know what God gave us a vision about it uh, whether it's that property or somewhere else uh, I want to tell you there's got to be a recabite ready hey hey pastor I don't know when you're going to call us to do it I I don't know when you're going to have the vision, what you're going to, but I'm standing by the side of the road. I'm not worried about getting a crop in. You're not going to catch me inebriated. I'm going to be ready. Woo. Oh, if I had time, I'd tell what some of these church people have been through to back the preacher. But I want you to know God said that day, uh, Jeremiah, I want you to know something. Uh, the Rechabites are not going to lack a man standing before me forever. Uh, oh, I love that about them. Uh, you don't have to worry. I'm going to be the preserver of them. I believe he's got them today. And I believe they're sitting on a church pew ready, 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 ready. I'm standing by the road. Uh, I'm ready to move. I'm ready to knock a door. I'm ready to do whatever. Won't be no tap, tap, tap. I got to run, Elisha, here. It's going to be the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. I'm with you. I'm with you, Pastor. Whatever it takes. Oh, I'll drive a nail. I'll knock a door. I'll pray all night. You just lead the way. Oh, you lead the way. My amen is more than just showing up to church. My amen is more than just giving accolades. My amen is more than just giving a gift on the 25th anniversary. I'm with you, Pastor. You ride straight into the jaws of hell to get, get revival. We're right with you. We're going to back you every step of the way. The power is in the pew. When you lay hold of the vision. Oh, hallelujah. I want us to pray right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. I'm right now closing this with just a simple call to this church. I'm not asking you to just come and 
Just gather around and support. I'm asking somebody to tell God right now, God, God, it's more than just an amen for me. It's more than just words for me. Oh, I'm committed, Lord. Whatever the sacrifice, whatever it takes, I'm not smiting three times and moving on. I'm in it for the long haul. I'm in it with everything I got. You can count on me, God. Come on, church, local church. Come on to this altar and pledge yourself to God. I believe God's got revival, revival, revival. You hear me? The message this man preaches is powerful enough to change preachers, change sinners, change the alcoholic. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, come on. God's going to honor it. Oh, he's going to honor this more even than the gifts you gave. He's going to honor that commitment. I'm here. What about it, church? What about it, local church? Some of you may sit back. That's okay. If just one man cares enough, Jonathan said, I'll charge the Philistine garrison with just my armor bearer. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, pledge yourself to the Lord right now.